0: We want to get into a new book tonight, the book of Proverbs, so if you'll turn there, chapter 1. And if you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and Jerry, I'll slip you a Bible. The book of Proverbs, you'll find right after the book of Psalms, Proverbs chapter 1. We took our time going through the book of Psalms, and... and um, And it was a wonderful study. And as you know that the book of Psalms, the theme is worship and praise and and calling out to the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I, I certainly, even though we spent a number of months going through the book of Psalms, all 150 chapters of it, I realized that I need to continue to take in the book of Psalms, to take in those different Psalms that are there. And I can never exhaust it and and to just continue to read it. Well, the same thing is with the book of Proverbs. And the two books really complement each other because the Psalms, the theme is praise and worship. In Proverbs, you know that the theme is wisdom. And as you do your reading, perhaps some of you have scheduled in your reading That you read a proverb every day, and it's a good monthly reading because there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And so for the month of July, if you read Proverbs 1 on July 1st, you can read all of those Proverbs in the month of July. So there are some of you that do that. You do a monthly reading. You read a proverb. And, of course, perhaps you've heard the saying that a proverb a day keeps foolishness away, and it's so true. And I've read Proverbs many, many times times, but I can never exhaust the book of Proverbs as well. I realize that there's so much that is there, so much to memorize. Um, Matter of fact, the book of Proverbs, a lot of the books of the Bible, even the Psalms that we went through, there's, you know, a a theme that is in each of the chapters of Psalms. There is uh, a flow that goes to the chapters of the books of the Bible that we read, but not Uh, Is always the case with Proverbs. Some of these chapters, when we start out, is going to flow uh, very readily with a theme. But then we're going to get into many of the chapters as we get into the heart of the book of Proverbs that it's just a rapid fire of, of wisdom. And, and each verse giving us wisdom. So there's a lot to take in and a lot to cover. And we'll cover them as we go through the book of Proverbs. And before we do that, Father, we ask that you bless this time in the study of your word. And Lord, as we go through the book of Proverbs, how we need wisdom. And I pray that we would be one so that we would continually grow in the knowledge and love of Jesus Christ uh, by knowing his word, knowing him. And Lord, we ask for for uh, wisdom and not just having knowledge, but having it worked out in our lives. So I pray that you would bless this time as we study your word, as we start this new book in the book of Proverbs. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So not only um, can you read a proverb uh, every day and go through the whole book in a month. But actually, if you read five psalms a day, that you can get through all 150 psalms in a month as well. But we know that Solomon, he is the one, the human instrument that wrote the book of Proverbs, inspired by the Spirit of God. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, we see that God came to Solomon and asked Solomon, what is it that you want? And that's a good question, really, in the honesty of your heart, if the Lord came to you tonight and asked you, what is it that you want? What's the one thing that you desire? How would you answer that? How would you really answer that? Would it be I want riches? Would it be that I want popularity, prestige? I want beauty. I want whatever. What would your answer be? And I pray that as we consider it, that we would really you know, look at some of the things that in scripture that we see that, of course, Solomon would say that I want wisdom. I'm a king over a great nation. Uh, I'm young. I don't know my coming in. and my going out? And, and Lord, I, I pray for wisdom. And the Lord was very pleased by that answer and said, Solomon, I'm going to give you wisdom. And there would be those who would come from all over the the known area to seek out Solomon for his wisdom. And, and the Queen of Sheba and others as well. So Solomon answered wisdom to discern good and evil. And God was very very pleased with that, but I also look at David. I look at David. He answered that question, and it was David in Psalm 27 that he said, one thing that I desire of the Lord that I would seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire of his temple. You see, it was David, the man after God's own heart, that said, Lord, that one thing I desire, that I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I want to be with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to have closeness with you. So how is it that you and I would answer if the Lord said, what is it that you want? And what my prayer is and my point is, is that I hope that we would be saying like Paul, that would cry out, oh, that I may know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings being made conformable unto your death. But Paul, he talked about the prestige that he had and the religiousness that he had and, and that he had all the confidence in the flesh but he said, I gave that all up for the excellence and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that I may press forward in knowing him, that I press forward to the high calling of Christ the upward prize that's in Christ Jesus to know him. And I hope that we are getting more and more like that truly in our hearts. The Lord coming and saying, what is it that you want? Do we say, Lord, more than anything, I want you and to know you and I want your wisdom. So here is Solomon, the the author. We're going to see at the end of the book of Proverbs in chapter 30, we're going to meet Agar and then King Lamuel. Which scholarship says is just another name for Solomon. Now keep in mind as we go through the book of Proverbs, the theme being wisdom, that there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. People can have knowledge. They can be real smart. They can know about certain things or certain subjects. And we can have knowledge of the Bible I have met those that have a great knowledge of the Bible. They know the history. They know, you know, all about the canon of Scripture. They, they know all kinds of things about, you know, the Bible, but they have little wisdom. And you see, the difference between knowledge and wisdom is knowledge uh, is knowing. It's maybe having an academic knowledge of, of what Scripture has to say, but wisdom is applying godly knowledge in our lives. We can know the Bible, but what we are to do if we really want to have wisdom is that we're to apply it personally in our lives and have it in our hearts because what's in our hearts will be worked out in our lives. So what we're going to see is the importance of wisdom. To be successful is to, to apply God's wisdom. And being successful, listen, in God's terms is a whole lot different than worldly terms. There's a difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. And you see, there's a lot of worldly philosophy and wisdom that is out there that is very contrary to God's wisdom, and, and, and they don't match. And we see that the world's wisdom will contradict what God's wisdom has to say. And being successful in the world is different than being successful in the kingdom of God. Just as I said to you that, you know, to be humble is the young adults that are studying that book, Humility. And humility is something that God has to work in us. By nature, we just don't become humble. We, we want to, you know, be proud and arrogant and, and we want to be boastful at times. But the Lord says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must be humble. Humble yourself as a child. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, it's not ruling. Jesus said, that's Gentile stuff, ruling over others. But what you're to do is be the servant of all. So godly wisdom is a whole lot different than worldly wisdom. And to be successful in the kingdom of God, according to God's definition of successful, is living a life that honors God, that, that is living a life that desires to walk in obedience to God. Being successful is more than just making a good living or being popular or being powerful. But it is, Lord, I want to honor you with my life and to take your word and have it worked out in my life. So what is the key for us? To get the most out of this book, like I said, the first key is that we are to make sure that we are studying God's word because to acquire that knowledge and godly wisdom, we need to be students of the word of God. And as we are students of the Word of God, we are to humble ourselves, as I've already mentioned, to be teachable, have a tender heart. And I hope that we are. Every time that we open the scriptures here at Calvary Chapel, every time that you have your own devotions, and I pray that you're having devotions, every single day, read your Bible. Every single day, open up the Word of God and let the Word of God touch your heart, have a teachable heart. And we want to have a tender heart and a humble heart before him and be praying, Lord, teach me what it is that I'm reading as I read your word. And then second of all, the key is be obedient to what God's word has to say. We don't hear a whole lot about that in the church today. But obedience is very, very important to not only know it, but Lord, I want to be obedient to it to not dismiss the word of God, to not say, well, culture says that it's okay to do this or live this way or live that lifestyle or whatever the case may be that we know is sinful and carnal, contrary to God's word. And unfortunately, there are more and more that are behind the pulpits that are saying it's okay for you to embrace what culture is saying, what society is saying is okay, to be able to call evil good and, and to live any lifestyle that you want, any way that you want, We are to be ones as Jesus truly is our Lord. To say, I'm going to live according to the way that you have written in your word, your ways, what you have prescribed for me, Lord, your commandments. And you see, as you do, you're going to experience that abundant life that the Lord has for you. So it's very important that we have a humble heart saying, Lord, I believe your word. I believe every bit of it, that God's word is, you know, All scripture inspired as Paul wrote to Timothy is God breathed and it is profitable for me personally for correction, for reproof, for doctrine, for instruction in righteousness that I may be equipped to live a life after you, Lord. And as we do have a teachable heart and say, Lord, help me to be obedient, then you're going to live in wisdom. You're going to live in true wisdom. And there's so many benefits That are ours as we do walk in wisdom. So let's begin to look at the book of Proverbs, the beginning of knowledge, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, verse 1 of chapter 1, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. In verse 6, to understand a proverb, an enigma, and the words of the wise and their riddles. So Solomon, of course, was David's son who built the first temple. And you know that Solomon reigned for 40 years, and as I mentioned to you, he reigned during that time that it, the country was experiencing its greatest power and prosperity and peace. And Solomon was known as you read First Kings, as you read Second Chronicles, that he was known for his great wisdom. Uh, that they sought him out, and, and he, he was able to give that wisdom. But here is the thing: that Solomon, at the end of his life, they he didn't use wisdom. And he wasn't living in wisdom. And he would actually plunge the nation into idol worship as he would begin to build altars to his foreign wives. He had a thousand wives and concubines. Many of them were foreign wives that believed in foreign gods. And he began to burn incense to them and build altars to them. And it had a devastating effect on the nation after the death of Solomon. You see, here's the thing, that we are to continually to live in wisdom, Just because we're living in wisdom today doesn't mean that we dismiss wisdom tomorrow. And that's what Solomon did. And sometimes Christians will, after, you know, just journeying through life for a while, walking with the Lord for a number of years, begin to dismiss wisdom. And we're to have that wisdom worked out in our lives continually. And so here Solomon writing these truths down. And what we're going to read is, we will go into verse 8 and at other times, he, he says, my son, my son here. And we're going to read that continually. And it's like a father who's given wisdom to his son. And that's what we want to do as parents, don't we, and grandparents. We want to give wisdom to our children. And we have a heavenly father who desires to give wisdom to you and to me and how it is that we can live in that wisdom and then live a good life. You see, there's going to be a lot of distinctions that are going to be made here in the book of Proverbs. Distinctions between living godly and ungodly, uh, between wise and living as a fool, uh, being a diligent worker, being lazy, uh, being arrogant and being humble. Uh, how it is that you speak. How it is that you conduct yourself, your behavior. There's a lot of instructions that are given to us. That's going to be a blessing for us to hear. And then a blessing as we have it worked out in our lives. So Solomon's going to say, my son, hear the instructions we'll read in verse 8. But in the first six verses, it's kind of like it begins the book of Proverbs like a prayer. Uh, It's kind of like a prayer in in these six verses. uh, To number one, to know wisdom. To know wisdom is, first of all, in verse 2, an instruction. And to know wisdom, as I've already mentioned to you, is to study the word of God. And again, there's a difference between worldly wisdom and, and godly wisdom. And Paul the Apostle, when he was writing to the Colossian church, he would say to them, don't be cheated by, you know, Uh, the traditions of men, empty deceit, by the philosophy of men, uh, and, and that which is not according to Christ. Because in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So to know wisdom is to know God's word. And that's why it's very important that, as you know, to continue to study God's word, all of it, not just the book of Proverbs, But from Genesis to Revelation, that's going to help us grow in wisdom, to know wisdom and instruction. And then second of all, as we see to receive um, in verse three, uh, that we are to receive, talks about having a humble heart to receive the word of God. Anytime that that (coughs) you read the word of God, when it says to receive, to hear, that's another uh, word that uh, will be used, to hear. This Sunday is we're going to be in Luke chapter 6 that we see that uh, it's going to be Jesus that said, he who has an ear, let him hear. He he says here to the seven churches in the book of Revelation chapters 2 and 3, he has an ear, let him hear. And that means that we are to pay attention, to perceive that we are to, with a humble heart, receive the word of God. So we are to receive the word of God. And then in verse 4, we see that to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. So prudence speaks of wisdom to others. And, of course, says we as parents, we want to do that with our children. We want to minister to others and listen. I just want to reiterate this. That as you minister to others, make sure that you give them godly wisdom. Don't give them worldly wisdom. And there can be a temptation in our lives to say, Well, you know, I don't want to sound like a religious person. Or I don't want them to not like me. Or I don't want to sound like I'm judgmental. But if you are giving counsel or any kind of, you know, discussion that you have with somebody and they're asking you about a certain topic or how to live or how to speak, then you give them godly wisdom, and don't be afraid to do that. And if we are not giving people godly wisdom, if we're not giving them what the Word of God has to say, then we're really not helping them. And you see, that's something that we need to settle in our hearts, that as we go through life, That not only do I want to have wisdom, but I want to be able to give that to others. And I want to give that out of an attitude of love and a desire for them to come to Jesus Christ, to know God's wisdom, and and to live that abundant life that we get to live. That they don't have to live in darkness. They don't have to be deceived. They don't have to be confused in life. But to speak of wisdom to others and to to minister in that way. And then in verse 5 we see that... um, Wisdom means that you will keep learning. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Um, We are not to have, I know it all, attitude. And maybe perhaps I know that I have run into somebody that says, well, you know, I used to go to church. I've read the Bible before. I know what the Bible says. Listen, I've been studying the Bible for many years. And I'm still learning. And the more that I learn, the more I realize that I have to learn more. There's so much in there that I need to to go over, to learn. I can never exhaust what is in the Word of God. And so we are to keep learning, to keep growing, and we are to continue to do that uh, in our lives. And then seek out wise counsel. And here's another thing that I hope that we do, that as we seek counsel, that there's safety in a multitude of counsel. And the implication in that is that there's safety in the multitude of godly counsel. That you are one, that you are going to seek godly counsel from a godly man, from a godly woman. That's going to give you the word of God. That's what we are to seek, not the world's wisdom. And unfortunately, I even talk to Christians that spend more time that are listening To others and what the world has to say and Dr. Phil and Oprah and all these other people that they're not getting God's wisdom. We need to be going to the word of God and let that be the final authority in our lives. Do we understand that? Because there's a lot of voices that are out there. There's a lot of voices that will bring contradiction to the word of God and confusion to you. So make sure that you are looking to God's word. He's, first of all, the wonderful counselor, right? And that you are getting godly counsel from others. And then in verse 6, that we're to have understanding, uh, a proverb, to have understanding. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us and to minister to us. And, And as you do, the Holy Spirit is going to give you checks and say, wait a minute, something doesn't sound right. Because I've been studying God's word. Because I've been, you know, uh, desiring to know his word and to know what he says, how it is i to live in truth and salvation and all of that. Even this week, I, I was talking to somebody who said, you know, I, I was visiting another church and um, there was just some things that were said that just didn't sound right. And, and here's the thing, that even today, there can be truth that is mixed in with deception, and you got to know to be able to separate the the wheat from the chaff. All right, got to be able to eat the chicken and spit out the bones, and be able to discern. And that's one of the things that we are to do—to discern um, and have that uh, discernment that is in our lives. Because he even talks about discernment a lot here in the Book of Proverbs. Uh, I was reading Warren Worsley' his commentary on the opening of the Book of Proverbs, and he said that he believes, in his opinion, that one of the great needs in the church today is that Christians have discernment. To be able to discern what is godly, ungodly, what is good, what is evil, what is clean, what is unclean, what is truth, what is false. And I agree with them. I think one of the things that is really lacking among Christians today is discernment. There are Christians today that will just receive just about anything any kind of teaching that comes down the pipeline, any kind of new movement that, you know, is not biblical at all, any kind of new doctrine that comes floating into the church, listen, you got to have discernment. You and I are to have discernment, and the way to have discernment is to know the Word of God. Everything filters through the Word of God. And I've had many people sit in my office that will say, well, God told me this. And I can tell them that it's a direct defiance or contradiction to the word of God. And God did not tell you that. And there are those who will come along and say, well, I'm involved in this. And I know that the Bible dismisses it. The Bible is your final authority. It was John that said, test the spirits to see if they are of God. How do you test the spirits? How do you test it? Is it by emotion? That it it feels good? That, you know, gives me goosebumps? And you see a lot of people, they will determine godly wisdom by emotion. Now, there's nothing wrong with emotions. God has given us emotions. And we feel emotions. And emotions are very powerful. But emotions can mislead us. I don't know about you, but there's been times where I thought, Lord, I don't think you love me anymore. And I know that that's not of God. That the enemy, the accuser, the brethren is going to be whispering to me that God doesn't love you. There are times I feel like, Lord, you don't want to use me. You don't want to forgive me. I'm not valuable to you. Lord, I just feel like a spiritual waste. And I'm sure that many of you have gone through seasons like that. That you, know, that you feel down and, and, and you're... Um, You know, as David would say in the Psalms, oh, my soul, you're downcast. Why are you so downcast, my soul? And he would feel that way. And even Job, when he's going through the book of Job, you see that Job would say things, that Lord is out to get me, and God is, you know, uh, out to, to do me in. And he didn't know that that wasn't the truth, that the Lord was going to show that Job, that he is one that truly loved him. And it was going to work in his life. And we went over all that as we went through those chapters of Job. So how it is that we test the spirits? Is it by emotion? No. Is it by miracles? There are those who will follow after miracles and chase miracles. I believe God does miracles. I believe that he does miracles today. And it's wonderful when he does do miracles. But know this, that in the last days, that there's going to one that's going to come on the scene There's going to be a world leader. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us that he's going to deceive many with lying signs and wonders. That we know as you go to the book of Exodus that it was the magicians of Pharaoh that were able to duplicate some of those miracles that Moses performed. Moses threw down his staff. His staff turned into a serpent. What did Pharaoh's magicians do? They did the same thing. It was Moses that turned water into blood, the magicians found some water that wasn't contaminated and they turned it into blood. Moses called up the frogs. What did the magicians do? They called up more frogs which was stupid because it made things more worse. <laughs> <laughs> there was frogs everywhere in the cupboards and you know, and in the dough as the ladies were baking bread and they called up more frogs but they couldn't take the frogs away. Satan always makes everything worse. So we test it through the word of God. And it's very important that you and I have discernment and then we test the spirits through the word of God because if you don't, you will get deceived in the day in which we're living in. There's a lot of deception that can be out there that can come to you and to me. And that's why... I commend you guys for coming out on Wednesday nights and Sundays and continuing in the Word of God. It's a wonderful thing to do, and it's greatly needed in the church today. So verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So again, the key verse for the book of Proverbs, and later on we will be told that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the beginning of knowledge and wisdom in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge is the fear of the Lord, to reverence him. It's just having a heart that says, I want to know you, Lord. Just as David said that, I want to know you more. Just as Paul cried out, I want to know you. Just as it was Solomon that said, I want to know you, Lord. I want to know your wisdom. So the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. And again, having a fear of the Lord, reverencing him, having a respect for him, just in awe of the Lord that I'm going to humble myself and you are Lord and I'm not. And your ways are true. And Lord, I know that your ways are right. And I'm going to desire to know you and to know your ways. So that is a real key for all of us because we can go through this and we can dismiss it and it isn't going to do us any good. So we don't want to play the fool. And he says that the fools despise wisdom and instructions. And, and, and that's a pretty simple statement for us to understand. Anytime that we come to the point of, Lord, I'm not going to take your word and have it worked out in, in my heart. Now, this Sunday, we're going to see Jesus, as we are in chapter 6 of Luke, that he's going to choose his 12, and then he's going to come down and give the Sermon on the Plateau. It's different than the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, some of it's the same, but it's at a different location. It's at a level place. And it's shorter than the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. But in that, as he's going to tell us that we are to love our enemies and bless those who hate us, those things are hard, aren't they? And one of the things about the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plateau, that what it does is it drives us to Jesus Because, Lord, I can't do these things in and of my own strength and my own power. I need you. I need you, Lord, to work that in my life, to be able to forgive those who have hurt me, to bless those who hate me, uh, to, to count it as a blessing when I'm persecuted. These are very difficult things that I'll be real honest with you that the Lord's still working in my life to turn the other cheek. Really, Lord? I'm to do that? I'm more of the tooth for a tooth kind of guy you know but he tells us of a better way of living and again what the sermon on the mount and the beatitudes and what that does is it drives us to jesus to not only know but lord to rely on you that you have your word worked out in my life daily and continually so if we You know, or ones that we despise wisdom and instruction, we're playing the fool. And I don't think any of us wants to play the fool. But I know that, unfortunately, in my life I have. When I've ignored God's word or dismissed it in my life. And so we have the importance of wisdom in verses 1 through 7. And now in verses 89, the instruction of wisdom. My son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother for they will be graceful, uh, a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. So using poetic language to tell us of the benefit of receiving godly wisdom and applying it and not forsaking it. And as I've mentioned to you, this is how we can truly have a blessed life. I think all of us want a blessed life, don't we? So we have a decision to make. Are we going to live in godly wisdom? or Are we going to pursue worldly wisdom? Are we going to live after God's ways? Are we going to live after the world? And listen, there are Christians that I know that they're between two opinions. When Elijah went to Mount Carmel, he said to the nation of Israel, how long are you going to be between two opinions? And literally what that means is, how long are you going to straddle the fence? How long are you going to do that? If Baal is God, then worship him. If the Lord Jehovah is God, then worship him. But how long are you going to be between two opinions? And if any of us in any area of our lives that we are compromising, you know, we got one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world, it's a a miserable place to be. Because you got too much of the Lord to be comfortable in the world and you got too much of the world to be comfortable in the kingdom of God. It's just a miserable place to be. So I pray that we would be ones that, Lord, in every area of my life, I want to live in wisdom. Oh, not that I'm going to live in wisdom in this area, but this area I'm going to dismiss. This area I'm going to compromise. This area I'm going to, you know, be carnal or or sinful in this area. Because you're gonna find that it's gonna be difficult, and we're gonna see that there is consequences when we forsake wisdom that we'll see here in just a minute. But before we do, in verse 10, my son, again using if that that, you know, Solomon, my son, my son, this is a loving father that's talking to us. My son, my daughter. If sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. And so here, do not consent to those who desire for you to do evil. It entices you. Uh, those things that compromise God's commands. And society screams at you and me today, as a Christian, to accept that which is evil. The Bible clearly says is evil. is sin. Society is pressuring you and I as Christians to compromise our ways and to follow after that which is sinful. To accept it to celebrate it even. And here we're being told in chapter 1, listen, don't. Don't go that way. Verse 16, For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood and lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. And so here, don't go down their path is what... Solomon is saying, it will do you in. And again, it reminds me of Psalm 1. I go home and read Psalm 1 as we began Psalm and hear the psalmist in Psalm 1, which is, I think, probably David, but we don't know for sure. But Psalm 1 says something very, very similar about how it is that we are to live in Psalm 1, the psalmist writes, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, doesn't stand in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but delights in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and brings forth his fruit in season, whose leaf shall not wither, and, and whatever he does he shall prosper. Listen, that as we are ones, that we're not going to pursue that which is evil, we're going to prosper We're going to be fruitful. There's stability, like that that tree is planted by the rivers. There's there's going to be solid, you know, foundation that's going to be given to you and to me in Christ to live that life that we are able to experience uh, what he has for us, To, to live life the way it's supposed to be lived. So here we see that don't you know, uh, go after that which is evil. Shun it. Stay away from it. Verse 16, for their feet run to evil. It's amazing how people run to evil. And unfortunately, I've known Christians that have run to evil. When we first moved into our house, the kids were small. And uh, we, you know, have you know an acre lot in, in West Ridge and um, they have septic tanks, and those things have to be cleaned out once in a while. We don't have a sewage system. So when we first moved in, the kids were up in the yard by the tree playing, and we had to get the septic tank, you know, pumped out. And I was digging, looking for the lid, you know, where it was, and I was digging for it, and the kids were going, what are you doing, Daddy, what are you doing? It's just just looking for, you know, the septic tank. What's that? And, well, that's where everything in the house kind of goes into the tank, and so they're up there watching me, and I found the lid, and I took the lid off and said, ooh. And every one of those kids were tripping over themselves to try to go and look at that, because they wanted to see it so bad. You know how kids are. And they're going, ooh, that stinks, hey, you know. That's how some Christians are, it seems like. Tripping over themselves to run to sin. And I hope that we're getting to the point of our lives that we realize that sin stinks. It just does. And to stay away from it and not be involved in it. And unfortunately, the enemy is really good about deceiving us or the world is good at deceiving us and the thinking that really we're going to be happy or satisfied or fulfilled or we're going to be prosperous or we're going to be successful if we do it the world's way. If we do it the way society says or culture says. that If we pursue the world and make that a priority rather than doing it God's way. That those things will leave us just empty and deceived and in darkness and in bondage is what it will do. And life stinks. Life stinks. And maybe you'll talk to somebody this week at work or a family member and they walk around. Well, life stinks. Ask them, why? Is it perhaps because you're not living after the way of the Lord or you don't know the Lord? Life doesn't have to stink. Life doesn't have to be confusing. We don't have to be blinded and, and we don't have to be in darkness. But we can walk in wisdom where there's light and there's surety and there's safety. And that's what the psalmist is going to hear, or not the psalmist, but Solomon here, is, continues to talk about in verse 20 as we finish Tonight, the invitation to wisdom. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open square. She cries out in the chief uh, concourses. At the opening of the gates in the city, she speaks her words How long, you simple ones, or those who are naive, will you love simplicity? For scorners uh, delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge and, and turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you and I will make my words known to you because I have called you and you refuse. I've stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. Verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm, and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. So the invitation to wisdom, wisdom, again, in God's truth, is all the wisdom and knowledge that we need to live that life of abundance. And God has provided wisdom. But sometimes people don't want to apply it or listen to it or they dismiss it. And they end up playing a fool, as we saw here in verse 7, is what will happen. And they go through difficulties and hard times. We can say, it's hard being a Christian today, can't we? Because I think that we are experiencing those who come against you and I more and more as we get further away from the Lord, our society, our culture, the world gets further away from the Lord. But I'll tell you what's harder, not being a Christian. That's what's hard. Because you're caught up in all kinds of of ugliness and pain and the consequences of sin. And you see, that's what here is, is when in this poetic language that I will laugh at your calamity, I will mock when terror comes. It isn't that God's up there laughing because you live foolishly, ha, 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 you know, and and mocking you. Uh, He's saddened by that. But it's poetic terms of there's going to be serious consequences if you and I ignore godly wisdom in our lives. And the Lord desires for us to seek him. As Isaiah says in chapter 55, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he may be found. There's always an invitation to seek him and to seek his wisdom. And then in verse 28, and then they will call on me, but I will not answer. And they will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. So, in other words, you're going to reap what you sow. And if you sow seeds of corruption to the flesh, you will reap corruption. As Paul writes in Galatians 6, That if you sow seeds to the Spirit, of the Spirit, you're going to reap everlasting life. And as uh, as Solomon ends, verse 33, the chapter here, he says there's safety and security and knowing God's wisdom, and there truly is. We made a a VBS theme out of verse 33 one year. And it was a great VBS. Um, We we had uh, safety and security and knowing God's word as a theme and we had, you know, law enforcement come one day and the fire department, you know, fire guys came and talked about fire safety next day. And we had a nurse came and talked about how to prevent from getting sunburns. and you know, things like that, um, being burned on the 4th of July, uh, wasps, you know, stings and bee stings and things like that is really, really good. And then we made, you know, lessons, spiritual lessons out of all those who came. And there's one time, one time that we actually had flight for life land here in the parking lot. And, uh, and the kids got to you know, um, look at the flight for life. But what was, uh, I'll never forget this, Um, as we had one couple that, one of them worked for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and one for the Forest Service had a Smokey the Bear, uh, you know, costume on, and he was up on the steps waving at the kids, and and, uh, you know, one of the high school kids, and he's up there waving, and the kids are down below, hi, Smokey the Bear, and it was on the day when we did the fire safety thing, and he walked down steps and he tripped and his head fell off. <laughs> and the kids were screaming and, and started crying and bawling. And it's like, quick, get him out the door. And Smokey lost his head. and <laughs> Things don't always work out the way that you hope you did. Listen, you don't want to go through life screaming and upset. Because you lost your head. Or you're not using your head. Sometimes I talk to people and say, have you lost your mind? Follow after the Lord. Because there's safety and security in that. And there is Jesus that we're going to see as we're in Luke's gospel that says, you want to be wise? Then be the one that hears the sayings of mine and does them. It's like the one who built what? upon the firm foundation. So when the storms come, and they do come, don't they, to every single one of us, you'll be able to stand. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time as we've gone over Chapter 1. And, Lord, I thank you that what an incredible study this is going to be because we need wisdom, every single one of us. And, Lord, we want to seek it. And we want to take the knowledge of the Word of God and work it out in our lives. And that takes a humble heart. That takes a teachable heart. And being yielded to being led by you. To empower us to live that life that you want us to. Because sometimes the way that you want us to live, oh, it's a struggle in the flesh. If sometimes we look at it and we think, how's it going to work? I mean, being humble and being a servant and living in purity and living a quiet life. And how we speak in our conduct, in our behavior, in our faith, in our love for others. Lord, we need you. So I pray in the weeks ahead that truly, that wisdom would be worked out. That, Lord, we would yield to you. And that we would walk in the fear of the Lord. Which is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. Lord, we're going to come to the communion table because Jesus said, do this often in remembrance of me. And the communion table is for the believer, for the one who has come to faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. And just in case anybody that is here or maybe is going to listen to this message on the radio or maybe you're going to listening to it on a podcast or whatever, That you see you can't live in godly wisdom unless you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That you come to Him and recognize your need to be forgiven. He's the only one that died for you and rose from the grave three days later. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one that gives you a living hope. It's only through Jesus will you come to him. This world is not your hope. And the world's ways will not save you. You can't save yourself. It's only by humbling your heart and recognizing your need for the Savior, of the world, Jesus Christ. He loves you. You see, when he was in that upper room and instituted the Lord's Supper, he was about ready to go to a cross to die for sinful humanity for you. He did that. As I said, he rose again. There's no body in the tomb. It's empty. Because he conquered sin and death. Will you come to him if you've never done that? And pray that Jesus, I come to you a sinner, and I humble my heart, recognizing my need for you. Forgive me. I believe you rose again from the grave, you're alive. Speaking to my heart, and I ask that you be my personal Lord and Savior. And I thank you for dying for me, and I want to know you. I want to know your ways, and I thank you for this new beginning, for making me a new person, and forgiving me, and for saving me. In Jesus' name. And if anybody here at this time, in this place if you prayed that prayer when we finish service tonight will you come and tell me the decision you made but right now let's prepare our hearts as, as we are going to take of the elements the bread representing jesus body broken and the cup his blood shed for the forgiveness of sin and just thank him for the salvation that we have this new covenant that we belong to in christ in jesus name